to go live. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Infinity Sports. Just want to say, if you are listening to the show, thank you so much for streaming and or downloading the show. We certainly appreciate the support. Make sure to subscribe to it, get all the new podcasts. If you are watching the show on Facebook Live or on YouTube, you can find our YouTube channel. There it is. You got the Infinity Sports logo. You can't miss it. Please make sure to like the video. That's the little thumbs up button. After you like the video, please make sure to subscribe to the video. That's going to give you all the newest updates. That's the little red button to the right-hand side. If you're watching on Facebook, same idea. They've got a similar setup of buttons. Make sure you click the share button. You can share with your friends, your family, groups that you're part of. You can like the video. That lets us know that we're doing a good job. It comes through right away. And you can comment. Now, if you comment, you can type in anything you want. We're going to put it up on the screen, and you can enjoy it. You'll get to be part of the show. So I really appreciate you guys you know, participating in any way. Let's get to the video, though, after you like and subscribe. Let's get to this video. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Welcome again to Infinity Sports. As you can see, I am not joined by Sully today. I'm joined by the Biss. What's going on, man? What's up, man? You might as well just call me the coronavirus because I can't go away. <laughs> You're on like every other show. But again, <laughs> not to knock Sully. You know, he tries to be here and listen to as many shows as he can to be a part of the show. But obviously when he's not, we got Jesse is like our, uh, I guess if Sully, was it Greg Maddox and John Smoltz, you guys just kind of. Oh, yeah. We're, we're uh I would say we're more Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson. You know, we're driving one uh, to success. And um, uh, honestly, when you asked me to fill in, I thought the Bucks had already lost. What's going on with your hair? You look like Cam Newton. Oh, it's I'm trying out different styles, man. He's inspiring me. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's just the magic of cowlicks. There was nothing I could do. <laughs> well, if you are obviously wanting to participate in social media, we are available on Facebook at Infinity Sports Podcast. Please give us a like, follow the show at Infinity Sports Podcast on Instagram, same thing, and at Sports Infinity 5 on Twitter. You can find all of these links through the website, www.infinitysportspodcast.com. Takes you to all of them, including YouTube. Subscribe to as many as you can, comment. We definitely appreciate them. We're going to put them up on the screen so you get to be part of the show if you follow the show, which is uh, really kind of cool. Big show today. We actually are going to be talking some NFL, recap that a little bit. We've got some NCAA news. We're going to do this day in history. We haven't done that in forever. But first things first, we actually have a new game that we're going to play today. Uh, supposed to be playing it with Sully, but it works out perfect because Jesse's favorite movie is the same as Sully's, which is Remember the Titans. Basically, it's called You Don't Know Your Favorite. And the idea is I'm going to ask Jesse five questions about his favorite. He's going to ask me five. This could be favorite musicians. It could be favorite you know, cartoons, video games. Today, we're doing movies. Now, obviously, what that means is for myself, 
we're going to be talking about the 1988 classic Major League with Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, Wesley Snipes. It's a baseball movie. You've seen it over 100 times. For Jesse, we're going to be talking about the Denzel Washington football movie, Remember the Titans. This is his all-time favorite movie. He takes it first in any sports movie draft or really any movie draft. So it's going to be really exciting to see who can stump who on You Don't Know Your Favorite. Very excited about this. Uh, when you first uh, proposed it to me, Wayne, uh, it was a little fuzzy to me. I didn't know uh, quite clearly what you were um, getting at. Um, but then you you gave me a softball as far as an example. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be fun to do on air. And I'm so excited to be part of one that involves these two sports movies that, you know, we both know that we love and enjoy. Well, before we get to the first question, the game is brought to you by Invader Coffee. It's 100% organic, 100% air roasted. You get 100% money back if you don't like it. It's veteran-owned, so I'm sure you will because they always do a great job. And you don't have to pay full price because you're listening to the show. Because you follow the Belly Up Network, enter the code BELLYUP. You get 15% off your entire order, not just of the coffee, but of the creamers and the um, you know whatever else, too. The T-shirts, apparel, stuff like that. So, Jesse, did you want to ask the first question and you don't know your favorite, or do you want me to ask the first question? Uh, I would love to start this off. Um, okay. I'm, very, I'm very excited. Um, Wayne, you... Um, You've been very cocky talking about this, um, and, um, you know, you're cocky just about um, anything. But uh, I'm going to start off here with uh, at the restaurant, um, you know, we see, uh, you know, Jake be a, a super creep. And uh, he calls Lynn from the restaurant, and uh, then they get to talk in person, and she provides him a phone number. I'm not going to ask you what that phone number is, okay. but I'm going to ask you who it actually connects to. Okay, well, just for bonus points, the phone number is 555-1934, and it goes to Cuyahoga Sheet Metal, and they do not have a Lynn Westland that works there. Perfect. <laughs> um, so, again, home run in the first step. I knew I, I'm going to crush this thing. Uh, your first question <laughs> is this. And remember the Titans, Louis Elastic sits at lunch with Rev. Uh, he has to mention Rev as one of his black teammates, because first he mentions his roommate, and Denzel says, you know, not somebody who's your roommate. Yes. What is Rev's first and last name? Jerry Harris. Oh, very good. Look at that. Right off the bat for you, too. I'm going to love this, man. Uh, so next, um, Willie Mays Hayes, um, who wasn't even invited to camp, uh, played by Wesley Snipes. Uh, he uh, goes ahead and he impresses uh, the manager and uh, the uh, other coaches there. Uh, by sprinting and um, beating out two other players after they had a huge head start. Um, after uh, that first day of training camp, how many push-ups did he have to do? 200. It was uh, 20 every time he hit a pop fly, and so I assumed he hit 10 pop flies. Because at the end, he's, walk or in the he's walking into the locker room, he says, 200 push-ups. How am I supposed to hit if I can't lift my arms? Absolutely. Uh, for Remember the Titans, uh, I've got a Gary Bertier streak we're going to go on here with a few questions. What number is Gary? He is number 42. He is number 42. Man, I thought you were going to be like 1 for 5 or 0 for 5. And this is all right. <laughs> all right, hang in with me, but we'll, the cream's going to rise to the top here. All right. Um, Wayne, what kind of soda machine is inside the locker room? Ooh, that's there a is, question. There's, there's a specific soda flavor, soda brand that is on the... Uh, soda machine in the locker room and it does appear in a few scenes it does now i'm gonna be honest with you this one i do not know off the top of my head so this is gonna be a swing at a just a guess in the pitch so to say 
And it's you're asking this question, so I'm guessing it's not going to be one of the traditional Coke or Pepsis. It's going to be a spinoff. And I'm thinking 1988 Mellow Yellow. Very, very close. Um, probably its cousin. It is 7-Up. Oh, so no, uh, that would be Sprite. So it's Coke and Pepsi, just so you guys know. I used to work in a bottle redemption center. We used to have to separate the bottles based on brand. Uh, Coke is Sprite. Pepsi is 7-Up. Coke is Mellow Yellow. Pepsi is Mountain Dew. Okay. Yeah, but it it was 7-Up. I saw it, and I was like, oh, man, that's about as nitpicky as I think I can get. I waited for it to show up in a second scene just to make sure I wasn't being a douche. And then I was like, oh, there we go. It's going up there. That's a good question. That is a good one. You got me. I'm now pressure's on me to get you to some. Um, my number three question is what is the name of the neighborhood where Gary is supposed to meet Julius to play basketball? The Berg. She doesn't want Berg. the Berg. Nice. Because the Berg is actually referring to, I believe it's Petersburg. Uh, it was a black neighborhood uh, in that city. Because basically, when the city was first populated, the black neighborhood was down by the shoreline. And then it kind of moved north to uh, Petersburg, I guess it was referred to it as the Berg. So when his grandmother's like, or his mom, who looks like his grandmother, is <laughs> like, what are you doing down at the Berg? You know, I think that she's kind of a little bit of a racist tone there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it, she's definitely um, her her and really the girlfriend. I think they're uh, some of the ones that have a harder time opening up, for sure. All right, so now I'm trailing you three to two. All right, what do you, what do you got for your, uh, your next one here? How many sections were on the Miss Phelps cutout in the locker room? Figure it's gonna take us uh, sixty-two more games to win this thing. Is that right? Sixty-two. Thirty-two. Thirty-two. Man, I should have known that sixty-two. That would have been like way too many games. Yeah, that's a lot of games. But they do rip off thirty-two pieces of the leopard print right off of uh, Mrs. Phelps, who was a former what, Wayne? Uh, former showgirl. Uh, showgirl yeah. Yep. All right, man. Now I'm dying here. I'm down three-two. You're about to take a double lead on me here. Um. What is the name of Gary's racist friend? His racist friend. You're not talking about the girlfriend. No, the one he, he tells he's not on the team anymore. Oh, okay. Ray. Where's number 87? Man. Ray, uh, was it Bods or whatever? You didn't have to know the last name. Ray no, is I, I, I didn't have the last name, but I, I, I knew I knew he wanted to cut him off the team. Um, he made the decision because he ended up missing a, a very clear block on... Um, the clear block on Rev. The guy ended up getting Rev injured, correct? Correct. There we go. There we go. Uh, all right, man. So now it's it's four to two. There's no chance for me to come back and win this thing, but at least they get to three. Right now it seems like I don't know my favorite. What, what, what's question number five? All right. Uh, who is the only player that legitimately got a pink slip in their locker? I believe it was number 40, Gentry. You are correct. All right. So, uh, man, still three for five. I got one more question for you. Let's see if you can get the perfect score. Uh, this is the toughest one, which is why I saved it for last, I think. What is the name of the high school they beat at the end of the movie? It is Marshall. It is Marshall. It is. Ed, Ed Harris coaches at Marshall. And um, watching it with my mom recently, um, she goes, is this the We Are Marshall, Marshall? And I go, no, 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 no. That was the college. That would be very unfair. Uh, yeah, because it is uh, George C. Marshall High School. And an interesting fact is it was not the state championship game. It was actually the semifinals. The state championship game, they won 27 to nothing uh, against, uh, was it Andrew Lewis High School? But in the movie, they finish against Marshall. And that really did, the game really did end that way. 
Yeah, um, ten to seven was the final, which would you'd think is a very low scoring game um, for it being a playoff game. And then they did end up mentioning, I think it was um, Hayden Panettiere's character or, or the adult character at that point had mentioned that they ended up finishing second in the nation, I believe. See, I had some tougher. I know I should have gone with some tougher questions. Oh, I mean, I, I got to be honest. I, you know, I, I did rewatch it today, Wayne, because I was so nervous. Um, and uh, I, I had written down some very obscure stuff, thinking of how crazy you were going to get. Like, I thought you were going to ask me Petey's dad's name and <laughs> what college, uh, look, what college Louis Lastic went to. I thought about that one. Yeah, Petey's dad is Eric. Uh, I have a father. His name is Eric. Um, yeah. But I, I was not uh, familiar with Louis Lassick because it's like a post-credit kind of thing. It's like heading into the credits. I didn't, right. I, but I did think about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew, um, or I assumed you were going to ask me something about uh, Sunshine there as well because he ended up uh, committing and playing at uh, the University of South Carolina, the Gamecocks. Nice. All right. Yeah, so for me, and those are really good questions. I didn't even think about the, uh, the soda machine. Um, I, I did think Gentry would be a question. I thought that would be a good question to ask. Yeah, um, I thought a couple. Of you might. I thought the phone number you were going to ask me, but you asked me where it went to. That's fine. I knew both. Um, yeah. I also thought you might ask me um, what letters does he hold up to Rick? Larry? I had it written. I had it written down. And I believe it's LPCN. I have LARC, but I mean honestly, I written. I wrote it down pretty quickly as I was going through. I was just like, oh man, that's something he'd, he'd think of. Yeah, it's it's LPCN because I always, whenever I see it in my head, I always think Leprechaun. Okay, and each letter looks like another letter. Like L could be E, P could be R, right? So it's it's all capitals. And so L P C N. Yeah, yeah I, I stayed away from um, jersey numbers because I figured that'd be way too easy. I mean, knowing you own a Roger Dorn jersey, I wasn't going to ask you any jersey numbers from that movie. I knew you'd have those spot on. And I'm not um, there. There are two I looked up this morning just in case you did ask, and that was Ed Harris who was number ten, and Lou Brown was number thirty-four. I had Lou Brown originally written down, but I, I I think that was the first one I'd scribbled out, scribbled off, being like, no, 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 that's too easy for him. Um, one of the one of the ones I'd written down was uh, at the opening uh, minute of the movie. They show a statue. Who is that statue of? That's a good question. I mean, I would guess it's some sort of Cleveland person. Um, uh, it was a famous Cleveland Indian. Um, I don't know. It's the the statue of General Moses Cleveland, who they ended up naming Cleveland after. That would that's a really obscure one. <laughs> obviously, they don't say it in the movie, so that's they what they, they, they don't. But they do like zone in on it and they, they show it. And I was like, oh man, like opening sixty seconds. I was like, this may be a fun one. But this was a fun game. I I think um, you know opening it up to um, like different uh, maybe actors, actresses, or um, musical artists, like you were mentioning, um, as this evolves it's going to lead to um, more challenging ones. I think um, me having the free time that I had today, being able to watch both films, it may be considered cheating to some, but um, I knew that I was up against a giant in you. Um, you know more movies than anybody I know. Well, with that section done, it is time for this day in history. Uh, if you're not familiar with the show, if you're new to the show, uh, this is a segment that Jesse, Sully, and I used to do at least once a week. We would do two shows, and once a week we would do this day in history. It's really this week in history, but for today, I did just pick this day for us to discuss a couple of events. Uh, first is December 14th, 1930. The New York Giants, that's the football Giants, beat Notre Dame 22 to nothing in an exhibition game. And the reason I picked this is because it goes to show you Pro teams will always, 100% of the time, without any exceptions to the rule, beat college teams. 
what would be the um again i'm not super sharp when it comes to gambling terms but if uh the jets were to face alabama right now uh what would be the um the score difference you think i would think that because again vegas is trying to get betting on both sides right yeah and so i would think that the starting spread on a jets alabama crimson tie game would be 37 and a half Oof. I mean, I'm a huge Alabama fan. I've been watching all their games. I think they're destined for another national championship. Um, but I don't think um, they come within four scores of uh, the New York Jets. Um, again, I Wait, think I, I take the 37 and a half. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think. Um, I don't know. I, I think they keep it close enough that it wouldn't be five or six scores like you're talking about. Um, but I think at least. At least four different touchdowns would separate a professional team and a collegiate team, and I agree with what your reasoning is. You know, the trenches where it is is all makes the difference. Yeah, for sure, and that's a conversation that we had with Brandon. I think two weeks ago, I'm not sure, but he had mentioned something about not two weeks ago, two episodes ago. He had mentioned uh, something about like they had interviewed on his show. That's Triple Shot Sports. They're a supporter of the show, so definitely check them out. He had mentioned on their show that they were interviewing a high school commit to Ohio State. And that they're like, oh man, this guy's huge. He could play in the NFL now. I was like, no, he he would get steamrolled by those <laughs> guys. I mean, steamrolled. Yep. Um, all right, so that's cool. Another event that happened on December 14th. This one's 1947. The National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, or NASCAR, is formed in Daytona Beach. Yeah, left turns, Wayne. Well, I was just gonna ask you, did you not a big NASCAR guy? Uh, I got into it uh, solely uh, because my uh, ex's in-laws or my ex's parents were super into it. Uh, they would travel and go to different races. They would bring their RV and spend over a week in Loudon, New Hampshire, um, where they used to host two races a year uh, for NASCAR. Uh, so I got into it uh, solely to try and buddy up and uh, become closer with um, the uh, my father-in-law at the time. Um, other than that, I honestly have not sat there and watched a single race um, highlights. Um, I mean, I know of, you know, obviously the biggest tragedy in NASCAR. And I think that's, you know, Dale Earnhardt, you know, dying um, beyond that. I couldn't tell you any statistics um, or any any number of driver information. It's it's not something that I care to really, you know, think about or, or uh, share any stock in my brain. There's other sports that I prefer to think about. Now, have you ever been live? Oh, yeah. I've gone to uh, three events um, during my my time in that relationship. I was able to go to three events in Loudoun. And uh, it's definitely uh, exciting live. I think what's neat about NASCAR is they'll le- legitimately allow you to bring up a, a, a cooler of just about anything up to the stand. So, I mean, you could have a, a fifth of Jack. You could have, you know, a 30 rack. You know, they'll let you bring that up to the stands. Um, it's definitely loud up there. Um, it's... Um, it's definitely neater in person, but it's still not something that, you know, I think I would prefer to see over the top four or five major sports. See, that's what I was going to say, because I can't watch hockey on television. Uh, I mean, I can't. I try. I really do. And this is a sports show, and I'm going to have to at some point start watching hockey. But yeah. I have a hard time with it. And hockey live, I love it. It's like going to the carnival. It's so much fun. Hockey live is, is absolutely hands down to me the best experience in sports. I think um, maybe um, some would have the argument that soccer would rival that. 
because of the passion that you see on both sides, whether it be for a, a specific team or a club or a country, um, you really see a lot of passion in the in the the way that the, the players play and the way that the fans go bananas. Sometimes it gets a little unsafe. Um, but I would say hockey is definitely the most exciting experience you can do live. Um, but I've not honestly never been super close to an NBA game. I know you've shared stories of being very close and, you know, just how exciting um, and energetic that can be up front and up close. Um, but again, hockey takes the cake. Yeah, sure. yeah, up close in the NBA, up at the nosebleeds stinks. But yeah, yeah. down close where the, they're so fast up and down the court and you can really see it. And you hear this, uh, you know, the sneakers squeaking, and it, that's really cool. And the only time you can be far away, I'll say this: I have a friend of mine, Clem, who used to work at a store, and he would get all kinds of perks from Pepsi and Coke and stuff like that. And he got us into the Pepsi booth at a Boston Celtics game. Wow! And it's free drinks, free food, pizza, chicken wings, whatever, free everything. That and so I had tons of pizza, and I had tons of the chicken tenders, and I had like eight cokes and or no pepsis <laughs> so great time but you were way away like you sat out on those balconies that overlook the court yeah and it, the the game itself wasn't great but all the benefits were yeah at that point you're not there for the game you're there for the amenities <laughs> all right so my next this day in history which is going to kind of lead into our our next segment but december 14th 1996 danny werfel wins the heisman award uh, 1991, Desmond Howard does. 98, Ricky Williams. 2009, Mark Ingram. And 2019, Joe Burrow. So a lot of people have won the Heisman today. Leading into our next segment, who do you think or who do you like for the Heisman now, 2020? Uh, well, it, it's certainly no shock to anybody who's been a longtime fan of our show that I am a fan of the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I'm going to go ahead and say that um, I have uh, Mac Jones taking it so far. I think he's done an amazing job of leading the number one team from wire to wire so far. I think that Mac Jones has really surprised a ton of people coming into the season, even our uh, college football guru um, or correspondent, um, shall we say, Sully. He didn't know what to think about him, um, but I think he's proved a lot of doubters wrong, and he's really had a great statistical year. Um, again, he's leading the Alabama Crimson Tide to the number one uh, ranking in the entire nation, and uh, they look like they're going to kind of steamroll right through the playoffs. Uh, so Mac Jones, to me, will go ahead and take the Heisman if we were to go ahead and hand it out tonight. He is the Vegas favorite. I think he's minus 300 or something, and then number two is Kyle Trask. Although he's coming off of that loss. kind of It wasn't a great game for him either, two touchdowns, two picks. But looking at their stats side by side, I mean, Trask has like four or 500 more passing yards. He's got 40 touchdowns to 23 or 28, whatever uh, Mac Jones has. So overall, I know Mac Jones has the undefeated team, um, but just performance-wise on an individual basis, kind of like you know, Barry Sanders won the Heisman. He ran for 2,700 yards. It didn't matter that Oklahoma State that year went, you know, seven and three. You know, so same thing with Florida here. I think Kyle Trask to me is the guy I would give the Heisman to. Yeah, I mean, I, it comes down to what you know the definition of. Heisman or MVP ends up becoming. Um, I know they may be seen as differently based on um, what sport we're looking at, but in the Heisman, um, you could see it go to somebody who maybe isn't on the number one ranked team in the nation. Um, Trask certainly deserves it based on his statistical year. Again, like you mentioned, um, leaving a little bit of a bad taste in our mouth um, based on his performance this past weekend. Um, but overall, having an amazing year 
Um, Florida's had an awesome year. It's too bad that Sully's not here to be able to defend his guy and and really just uh, teach us about why this guy deserves to be thought of um, higher than a guy like Mac Jones, who coming into the year, he wasn't super high on and I wasn't very knowledgeable about. Now, a guy who I think is actually very long shot on this is Devontae Smith. I think he's third for Vegas in terms of having a great year. But looking over his stats, I would think to be a wide receiver in a quarterback-driven sport, to win the Heisman, you'd have to have 20 touchdowns. He's got 15 on the year uh, receiving. But I think you'd have to have 20 to win it as a wide receiver. And even Desmond Howard, he had 19 the year he won it, but he also had you know 500 punt return yards. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure Desmond Howard is the last receiver to do that, to win a Heisman at the receiver position. And he was so versatile. I mean, Alabama has the luxury of having a guy like Waddle return um, punts and kickoffs. Um, and they have a litany of speedy guys. So they don't need to put uh, Smith in that position. Um, so it may end up hurting him in the overall race. I think he's had a super impressive year. Um, if I recall correctly, he broke the SEC record for touchdowns in a season or uh, touchdowns in a career. Um, but he's having uh, an amazing year, an amazing career, and he's certainly going to be drafted and then uh, be playing on Sundays. So i um, excited to see him at the next level, but uh, also excited to see what he does in the SEC championship game and moving forward. Now from Alabama to Auburn, who fires their head coach, Gus Malzahn, you know, it, it was interesting. Stint there, I'm pretty sure. What's that? I'm pretty sure that was his second stint there. It was his second stint there. Oh, I didn't. Know, I didn't realize that. Um, it, it, ben, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure he was there when Cam Newton was there, left for a little bit, and then came back. All right, but he, uh, I mean, didn't seem to really have a bad season. I mean, even this year, six and four. It's a COVID year, you know. But they said, you know, mediocrity is not going to cut it. Six and four, getting to the Chick Fil A Bowl, that's not going to cut it. You know, we want guys who are going to compete for a national championship. And really his downfall was his record against you know Nick Saban in Alabama. He just did not do well against them. Yeah, you, you can't get embarrassed in the Iron Bowl year after year. Uh, Gus Malzahn may have been uh, pulling up, uh, you know, winning records overall. Um, but like in the Big Ten, when we talk about um, the uh, Jim Harbaugh's, um, you know, you really have to win the big ones. And uh, when you're not winning um, year after year against your biggest rival, your in-state rival, um, then the fans and the um, the other people involved are not going to want to see you continue in that role. So um, it seems like it was about time for them to get a fresh face in there. Um, and, uh, you know, as good at recruiting as he may have been, um, you know, time to get somebody new in there to see what they can do at the University of Auburn. Well, that's just what I was going to say to you, actually, too. You brought it up amazing recruiter he's a really good recruiter uh they say he's great in the living room with the parents with the players so what about a school like michigan who obviously is going to move on from jim harbaugh you would think although there's also talk of an extension (laughs) Uh, (laughs) they shouldn't they should obviously move move away from him and get somebody else in there i don't think jim harbaugh is necessarily a bad x's and o's guy i don't think he's a great recruiter and i think michigan's recruiting classes have not been great since he's been there so what about like a michigan for gus malzahn I think that would be an awesome fit for them. I think, you know, they need to get somebody in there that can rival what is happening at Ohio State when it comes to recruiting. I mean, Ohio State is really competing with the upper echelon colleges in the nation as far as like the Alabamas, the uh, Floridas, the Clemsons. Um, And so you'd really hope that Michigan can do that, you know, get their in-state commits, get their, you know, get some Ohio commits, 
um, and even dip your toes down into the Southeast and get some of those guys that, you know, are really hurting you when it comes down to the playoff time. So I think getting a guy like Gus Malzahn would be a smart move for them. Um, but we haven't seen them make a smart hire in quite a long time. Now, for Auburn replacing him, I know I've read one of the names is Mario Cristobal, who is the head coach at Oregon. I read that Liberty's head coach, who I guess used to coach at Ole Miss, is a guy, but that the SEC doesn't really like him because of some violations when he left Ole Miss. Yeah, Hugh Freeze definitely has, um, I think, um, some baggage um, that he'd be bringing back. Um, Someone that wasn't really great um, at Ole Miss when he was there. Um, So not somebody that I would really pick to come there. Um, You did bring up Mario Cristobal, and he was an amazing recruiter um, and spent time down in Miami. Um, So he has great connections down in the state of Florida. I think that would be an amazing hire for them. Um, he has been working his way up through the ranks and, um, as far as I know, is one of the top recruiters in all of the nation. So if you could use his connections um, from the Midwest um, and from down in uh, the state of Florida, then he could end up uh, really competing with Nick Saban um, in just a matter of a couple of years. Now, I was thinking this is if I'm the university, I want to bring in an NFL head coach or an NFL former head coach or offensive coordinator, right? Because they're going to have that pedigree to go into the kid's living room and say, listen, I coach at the NFL level. If you want to get there, I can get you there because I know what it takes. And obviously it's not going to be like a Pete Carroll who's succeeding in the NFL. It's going to be somebody who's not having a great NFL career so far. The first thought that came to mind was Doug Peterson, right? Um, This is a guy who I think is obviously a really good X's and O's guy. He would be a great recruiter. He's never really coached at the college level before, but he has the pedigree. He's won a Super Bowl, so he can go in there with a Super Bowl ring on. Yeah. But I think that now with Jalen Hurts, I think is going to give him a second lease on life. He's going to get another season to see what he can do with Jalen Hurts. So that made me think of Todd Bowles, uh, defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was the head coach with the Jets. What do you think about an NFL coach? Is there anyone that you would consider if you're Auburn? Uh, I think uh, just like in the NBA um, and the NCAA, um, those types of swaps with coaches and the lack of success that we've seen overall, I don't know how successful a swap from uh, the NFL to college or vice versa would really be. Um, I'm sure we've seen some people be successful with that swap, but not enough to make me think that that's what Auburn should do. I think they um, should really put a high premium on someone who has experience recruiting in colleges um, with um, someone who already has connections within um, the nation. Um, so I think that's where they should really head. Um, I'm just I'm hesitant to get somebody um, from the NFL level, even though they may have a great mind and a great resume. Um, it's just a different world. Um, that's why um, you know we didn't see Nick Saban end up being too successful um, in the NFL. I know a lot of that may come down to or it, it may be, um, it resulted in them not being able to, you know, sign Drew Brees, but we didn't see Nick Saban be successful in the NFL and he's been uber, uber successful in the college game. So I'm just not too keen on the swap from one sport to the other. Well, that brings up my last nominee for Auburn, which is a guy who did coach in the sec and maybe aside from Nick Saban is the best football coach in college football. What about urban Meyer going over to Auburn? I think that would be huge. I mean, it, it, he would step in and, and immediately be probably the best recruiter in the nation. I mean, this guy has connections all over. Um, you know, he's won wherever he's been. Um, he's played in the playoffs wherever he's been. 
Um, and he's probably the only guy that could look across the table or look across the field at Nick Saban and, you know, have a, a pretty comparable resume. Um, someone who can do just about everything he does and have a great conversation no matter which living room or which state he's in to recruit. So that would be huge. I think Urban Meyer um, has shown to, honestly, he quits on certain programs, especially when things get tough. Um, but to be able to come in and revitalize an SEC school again, one that um, is dying to um, rival and beat a Nick Saban-led Alabama team, um, especially before, you know, he leaves. I'm not saying I have any inside information, but who knows how long Nick Saban will be there, um, especially with getting COVID three times this year. Um, but that would be an amazing hire for Auburn, I believe. Now, I don't have it listed on the schedule here, so if you're following along and you're looking at the, the trends at the bottom of the screen here, but it's something that kind of came up late last night, and I'd already kind of set up the schedule. So uh, the Cleveland Indians are now talking about changing their name. Uh, they're going to play through 2021 as the Indians but they are going to change the name and I'm sure they're going to discuss what potential names I had read actually within two weeks, they'll have a new name. The Washington football team is a team that desperately needed to change the name. I was a hundred percent for this. The Indians though, to me, and maybe it's just because I'm not native American. It doesn't seem obviously anywhere near as offensive as the Washington football team was. Yeah. I mean, I'm not one that really has a definitive voice. I mean, just like the Washington football team, if their original name ended up offending one, then that was one enough um, to go ahead and make a change. Um, I think, um, you know, what is crazy coincidental is, you know, from our game and major league, um, that is the the Cleveland Indians right there. Um, and so when I knew we were going to be uh, talking about this, um, it was something that, you know, at least made me smile or made me think um, of the coincidence there. But um, yeah, I'm not, I, I was never offended by either name, but again, if it offended anybody, um, then it was time to go ahead and change it. And I know um, from the Cleveland Indians uh, organization standpoint, it was something they had at least um, started to, um, you know, lay the, the groundwork on um, with removing the uh, Chief Wahoo mascot in the last year. Um, so something that they're going to get going on. I hope it doesn't take too, too long for them to come up with a name. Um, I'm not sure of any substitute names or replacement names that have been tossed around yet, but um, it, it's it's a frustrating aspect of the um, the Washington football team is to not have an actual name to call them, especially in a year where um, they're not doing bad. Well, I think that that came down to trademarking. I really think they had their heart set on the Red Wolves. Uh, I'd seen some mock-up jerseys for the Red Wolves that looked really sharp. The logo looked really sharp for that and i liked it and they could keep the same color scheme but i think that that guy bought up like 30 different licenses on the, the licensing and he's like i'm not going to sell it to the, to the washington football team and so yeah. i think there's trying to work that out i think at the end of the day they will end up being the red wolves uh they're just trying to work out the right price for this guy to give up a trademark uh any guesses if you had to guess on the cleveland baseball team uh i'm thinking as corny as it sounds something rock and roll related it can't be the cleveland rockers because that's the WNBA team. But I was, I was trying to think of like Cleveland, you know, metalhead seems too long. I don't know, but it's got to be something rock and roll related, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it would certainly be cool. I think the only music related uh, team that we have in all of sports, and or, I mean, we have the Blues in St. Louis and then the Jazz in Utah. Um, so, I mean, it'd be neat to have another ode or, or a, a tribute to uh, music in general, uh, especially um, rock. 
Um, I have no ideas as to what they may be going to, um, but um, maybe we can put some type of uh, vote out for our fans if we can come up with maybe a top three or four or just open it up. Yeah, I like that idea. We kind of see what they think the best names would be. And the interesting thing about the, the Utah Jazz, I always think of that opening scene in the movie Basketball when they talk about how the Minneapolis Lakers moved to Los Angeles where there are no lakes. The uh, New Orleans Jazz moved to Utah where they don't allow music. That's a, that's a great fact from from a, ver- a very great movie. Those are the, the folks that bring us uh, South Park, correct? Yeah, yeah. Trey Parker and who's the other one? Someone Stone. Yeah, Matt Stone. Yeah. All right, so we did talk a little bit about college football. Getting into it, two big games, really, I just want to talk about. One, obviously, is the Florida debacle and losing, you know, 20, was it 37-34 to LSU. That really killed their, bol- their uh, playoff hopes, I think. Even if they beat Alabama, and you had mentioned it in the, before we got on the air, I, I still don't think they get into the playoff even if they did beat Alabama. I think that this was their one shot. They had to win this game, and they had to beat Alabama to get in. Now I think they're done. They don't get in. Yeah, they had a direct route, but their direct route included beating LSU, a team, uh, an LSU team that Alabama had really just kind of wiped the floor with. So um, I figured this was there for the taking for Florida. I was really, really excited for um, a – highly anticipated matchup between the Gators and Alabama. I mean, it's obviously still going to take place, but the stakes are nowhere near the same. Um, and that's disappointing. That's a letdown. Um, but yeah, I mean, to see uh, Florida lose this game, even though they kept it close, um, they lost to LSU um, and um, they had a really costly error there in the end. Uh, I mean, who, who throws a shoe? Well, and I almost wish I had the, the video to kind of overlay <laughs> so people could see it. I went through and watched it because you mentioned to me and I didn't see that particular highlight. So I went through and I watched it. And again, I don't know. It's such a close call to me for that to cost them the game. I mean, I understand it's the other player's shoe. I, I don't know if he was throwing it to be like a trash talk type move or if it was just pumped up like, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously it wasn't his. He should have just dropped it. It just seems like such a small thing to cost you the national championship potential. Yeah, I mean, the refs have to call it, you know, as if that had happened at the first play of the game. Um, so um, you never want that to be the deciding factor, but you hope that the Florida team, the Florida coaching staff would have made sure that, you know, they didn't put themselves in a position to uh, lose a game or lose their cool in a moment like that. Uh, again, we both agreed they had one direct route that got them to the playoffs and it included beating LSU, and then it, they needed a prayer in beating Alabama. So now I'm not sure how competitive that game will be. I mean, I know for um, a group that we are both in, um, as well as Sully, FBAS, I mean, there's a lot of Florida fans in there, Sully included, JV included. So it was going to be something great that I was really looking forward to. I'm still looking forward to beating them, but, again, just not the same stakes at all. And then, of course, the Alabama game, which was never in doubt. What do I have here? Uh... 52 to three. Yeah. So they really know, uh, never really a doubt there. Uh, Najee Harris has two touchdowns. You brought up Najee Harris when we were talking about the Heisman, you know, before we came on the show. And I wanted to get your take because Sully obviously is our draft expert and he has, says, you know, him and Etienne are the top two running backs. It's not even close. It's a huge drop off there. But he also believes that it's a huge drop off from Etienne to Harris. I mean, how do you feel as an Alabama fan? How, how close do you think they are? Um, I, I really think that Harris has taken a huge leap this year. Um, I was I was actually hesitant coming into the year as to how successful the Crimson Tide would be with Mac Jones and with Harris 
really leading the the force. Um, I didn't know how amazing the receiving core would be, um, but Harris himself has taken a big leap this year, and I think that the gap is probably closer than, than he's willing to admit. Um, but I still think that Etienne takes the cake. I think that he's the more versatile guy, the guy that's going to be taken first in the draft when it comes down to the running back position. Um, but I still think that Harris is going to be a guy that will make a difference in the NFL. I mean, even a guy that wasn't taken in the first or second round from Alabama, a guy that we both get to see play for uh, our New England Patriots, Damian Harris, he's proven to have um, a really good um, year so far, in my opinion, as far as when he's been given opportunities and what he's done with them. So um, Alabama just knows how to create those guys that run forward with the ball and do positive things. So um, the reason I brought up Najee Harris was, you know, he has um, done so many amazing things this year that it puts him into um, the same type of conversation that Mark Ingram was and Derrick Henry were when they both won their husbands. But um, there are quarterbacks and even receivers on his own team that are having better years than him. I think you had said he's just barely within the top 10 within Heisman. So, um, but again, my overall guy is going to be Mac Jones, and hopefully he can continue to get, get better and better. We mentioned Damian Harris and the Patriots, and they took a thumping on Thursday night. Yeah. It was nice to actually watch a Thursday night game and be like, hey, a game that I want to watch on Thursday. Yes. But by halftime, I really didn't feel like watching it anymore. And the reason wasn't Damian Harris, because I, I definitely think that he has cost Sonny Michelle his job. I think that the reason I am disappointed watching the Patriots right now, I cannot stand watching Cam Newton play quarterback for that team any longer. Now, listen, I know I'm a big Jarrett Stidham fan. I know that I come across as kind of being a Stidham homer, and maybe I am. But the reality is Cam Newton takes way too long to get the ball out. The ball wobbles on every single throw that he, th- that he throws. He doesn't have the arm strength. And he's not even that good at running it anymore. Like he's basically a fullback that gets three, four yards here and there. Every once in a while, gets a nice scramble. But dude, I mean, I can't. We can't have a quarterback throwing for eighty-three yards a game. Yeah, uh, at the beginning of the season, Wayne, I definitely would have disagreed with you. Um, but as the games have gone on, and we've lost now seven games, it has become pitiful. It's become difficult to watch. Um, you know, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I wa- I watched that play, and I turned it right off. I, I turned it on and I was like, oh, well, look at this. We're within field goal territory. This is awesome. And we had just picked off um, their quarterback. Or we just caused some type of turnover to get the ball right there. Um, but then his first throw gets brought back all the way. And I was done with him. Um, if he's not holding the ball too long in the pocket and getting sacked, um, then he's throwing it at the ground. Um, he's not being smart with it. And for a guy that's won an MVP and a guy that has brought a team to a Super Bowl, he's not as smart as he should be. He's not as game ready as he seems um, to need to be. Um, So I'm ready for Jared Stidham as well. I'm ready to see someone who at least could or should have a future with this organization. Now that we have seven losses, Cam Newton is not within our long-term plan. So I have no idea why um, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels continue to give him the opportunities that we've given him. Cut our losses. Let's give Jared Stidham the rest of the games and let's see what we have. Because at this point, we need to know if he's our long-term commitment or if we need to go ahead and allocate a draft pick towards that position again. Um, I, I don't really know if we're going to be looking at, uh, you know, maybe possibly trading for somebody, but Cam Newton is certainly not within our future. He had about two and a half games that really looked impressive. but Everything else has been atrocious. There's been at least three or four games where he has not completed 10 passes and he has not thrown for 150 yards. That's garbage. I don't care what he does on the ground. 
Well, so Brandon chimes in, our friend Brandon from Triple Shot Sports, who we gave a shout out to earlier in the show. He says, Jesse. What's so up? He's, uh, interested to see you here. And he says, Cam Newton's mechanics are all messed up. He's protecting himself. He's too uh, too scared to get hurt again. Um, I don't know what the reason is, uh, but he definitely sucks. And it's painful to watch. And, and for anyone who says that Jarrett Stidham shouldn't be the quarterback, watch the two of them play when they bring Stidham in. His ball comes out so sharp. Oh, lots of spiral. Yeah, tons of zip. And he can throw it 40 yards without even, hes- without even trying. It- it's just so much a better ball. And I know that he's made some bad decisions. He needs more reps. You can't put him in there when he's taking two reps in practice. Yeah, the ball doesn't help anybody's confidence at all. I mean, I know they are both throwing to the same crew of characters. And you and I can both admit this is probably one of the worst receiving cores that we've seen on the Patriots in some time. I know that we did see, you know, the likes of, you know, Doug Gabriel and, you know, some other folks um, in some bad years for the Patriots. But this is a a bad cast of characters from from tight end to receiver all the way down. No Julian Edelman through most of this season. So um, neither one of them has really had a great receiving core. Um, But it's been bad to watch Cam Newton. And I'm certainly eager to see what Jared Siddham can give us this season and moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Brandon says, Stidham is to Newton what 12 is not. Yes, I agree. He is exactly that. Uh, Brandon says, so that's right. If you're listening, you may not see this comment, but he says 12 to 9. If you follow the show, 12 is greater than 9, and Stidham is greater than Cam Newton. That is definitely not a joke. An OG. (laughs) The uh, Titans and Jaguars, this game, obviously the Jaguars solidifying their number two overall pick. And then saying afterwards that Gardner Minshew is going to be the starter going forward. Well, of course, because he can't win any games for you now and screw things up in the draft. So that's why they put them in there. I liked uh, before we get to Gardner Minshew, Derrick Henry. I mean, was unbelievable, what right? What a freak! Uh, you know, we, we saw the stat that you know he actually just broke a tie um, as far as uh, games that consisted of 200 rushing yards and two touchdowns, and uh, that tie um, he broke was with uh, Barry Sanders, it was with LaDainian Tomlinson, and it was with uh, Jim Brown. So he, he now holds the record for games with 200 yards and two and two touchdowns within the game. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a freak of nature, and he's been that big since he was in high school. It's it's scary how good he gets. And, and again, I've mentioned it in previous shows, but now that it's getting colder, once he gets warmed up in the second half, he's going to run right through teams. Yeah, he's, he's an absolute monster. Um, and and your, boy, your boy Brown, I mean, it, didn't you draft that guy? I mean, did, did you see the highlight of his one-handed catch? There was a I haven't seen the highlight of it. I did draft him in my fantasy league, but I'm completely done. I'm like second to last now in my fantasy league. <laughs> uh, it did not work out. Uh, but I did want to ask you, speaking of drafting, is obviously everyone's talking about the Patriots drafting another quarterback. Regardless of how Stidham does, they're going to go out and they're going to find a young kid in college. What about like a guy like Gardner Minshew? I mean, what do you think? Because he's not going to be in Jacksonville. They're going to draft uh, Fields. That's guaranteed, you know. So unless they're going to have him to kind of just you know have Fields on the bench for a year or half a year and just have Minshew start, I, I don't know. I think Minshew could be a valuable trade asset for them. I think they could get what do you a third or a fourth round pick for him? Uh, I don't know if we'll see Bill Belichick give up uh, a third or fourth. I mean, th- those are his favorite picks. He'd prefer to give up a first than those. Um, but uh, of, of the quarterback crop that's going to be available, I think either through uh, trading a draft pick or maybe they get cut, uh, I think Gardner Minshew would probably be, you know, the cream of that crop. I'm thinking of guys like, you know, 
Carson Wentz may potentially be on the move. Daniel Jones from the Giants may be on the move. Um, Sam Darnold uh, for the Jets. Uh, Tyrod Taylor for the Chargers. There's going to be at least four or five guys um, at a minimum. They're going to be looking for new jobs. And honestly, I'd prefer to see us go for one of those guys um, than draft a guy early. Um, and uh, of the guys that I just named, Gardner Minshew is someone that I think has a lot of swagger. I think he's a gritty guy. And I think when given the opportunities and has some good pieces around him, could be successful under a, a really good coach in Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. I don't think he's had great coaching um, at all in Jacksonville. I don't think Jacksonville could ever say they've had a great coach. And the Dolphins and the Chiefs play. This is actually a pretty good game. Uh, better than I thought it was going to be. And a lot of that has to fall on your Alabama guy, Tua, who, again, continues to impress. I, I, the more I see him play after they had uh, Fitz, uh, Fitz start the game, not this game, but start a couple games ago, yep. the more I see him play, the more I'm convinced that the reason he was benched was some sort of injury that they were hiding. Uh, there's no way they benched him for play because this guy is an absolute so He's going to be a superstar. Yeah, and his team uh, – it. We hear it a lot. It's, it's pretty cliche, but his team definitely rallies around him. I think we're seeing the same thing happen in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. But, you know, we're definitely seeing the Miami Dolphins team play with a lot more juice when Tua is on the field. Um, we're seeing guys like Matt Gusecki, the tight end, um, you know, make incredible plays. Um, I think that this team is definitely, you know, rejuvenated. I think they're feeling um, – really juiced up based on where they are in the standings as well. But they put on a hell of a fight against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, um, you know, they'd actually uh, picked off Mahomes three times in this game. Um, that I, I think that brings uh, Mahomes' total to either five or six now. So it's it, it, it doubled his total of what it, he'd come into the season with as far as interceptions. It wasn't a great game for Mahomes, but he's still the best quarterback in the league. And I, Almost I still think yards. we said it's not a great game, but he 393 yards. I, mean, I still think he's the best quarterback. I think he's going to win the Super Bowl again, potentially. They've got to be the favorites. Um, I don't think Tampa Bay could beat them. I just think their offense is so, so good. I don't know how you scheme against it. It's easy to scheme against it when you have two of the best four cornerbacks in the NFL. Like Miami has two incredibly good cornerbacks. It's right. kind of easier. But when you get a team like a Tampa Bay or even a Steelers team, which we're going to talk about them because they had their second loss in a row, mm -hmm. I don't think anybody else has the secondary to scheme against Mahomes. And I think he's going to repeat it's not just the secondary i mean you got to have the linebackers as well because they have bigger uh guys like travis kelsey um that you know he'll be able to take you downfield he'll go across the middle and make catches on you so you really have to have an elite defense um i think the main thing against trying to stop kansas city is to try and make sure that your team has a great rushing offense um you know if we end up seeing a team like the tennessee titans match up against them i think they're going to try and keep it um, keep the ball away from Kansas City and keep it out of Patrick Mahomes' hand. Um, the less opportunities he has, um, then the better chance you may have at winning. Um, but that offense, they can score on the drop of a dime, and it's scary how great they are. I mean, Tyree Kill at, at this point now has, I believe it's 16 touchdowns through 13 games, um, and that now ties the pace of uh, Moss and Rice. So it's bananas how scary that offense can be. Now, Brandon asks, he says, will we ever see a day where Trubisky throws less inter, uh, incompletions than Mahomes, intercept, or maybe interceptions than Mahomes ever again? Um, yeah, I think so. And I know that Brandon and I completely disagree on this, but I actually like Mitchell Trubisky, and I like his skill set. I, 
he has to be in the right system. It has to be a, a run first system where he only has to throw the ball 25 times and it has to be short kind of passes. I really actually like Mitchell Trubisky as a Patriots quarterback uh, because of the way that they scheme their offense is a lot of underneath passes. He's great at that and he's mobile and he doesn't, but he doesn't run in terms of the run play option. He can actually just get out of the pocket and create. So I do like his skill set. It's not right for the bears, but I, I'm unlike Brandon, I'm not a crap on Trubisky kind of guy. Yeah. I mean the, the pressures that he's had to live up to, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky didn't draft himself second overall. Um, He didn't add those pressures to himself of being taken before the likes of Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Uh, That's the GM's fault. Um, The fact that that GM is still employed within that team is bananas. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, uh, Mitchell Trubisky has um, done as well as he could put in the position that he's been in. Um, And I too don't think that he's horrible. Um, I think he gets a much worse rap than he should, but I think he's, he still has potential to be a successful quarterback, maybe not as a full-time starter, but I don't think that his days are done at, at throwing around the football. Now I have the Chargers and the Falcons up next, and the only reason I have them on there is because we give Sully some crap about you know crapping on uh, Justin Herbert and, and you know not really believing in him in the draft. But if I remember correctly in our pre-draft stuff, you weren't very high on Justin Herbert either. No, I was not, and, and I will I will definitely say I do not put the time and effort that Sully does into scouting college players. Um, so I was maybe riding his coattails a bit, um, as well as really just making a generalization, and shame on me for making a generalization uh, like this, but I looked at um, the college that Herbert had played. I didn't even look at his specific style or um, the things that he was successful at, but I looked at where he played, and I went, ugh, I don't really – I don't really respect their competition. I don't respect the players that have come from there looking at a guy like Marcus Mariota, who in the preseason, we thought it was a lock that he was going to end up getting um, that quarterback position in, Oak, in, I'm sorry, Las Vegas because of how much Mayock loves him. But um, I really based a lot of that opinion on um, where he came from in college and um, who they play um, on their schedule. Really didn't watch a game of uh, Herbert. Um, but he is certainly impressed in the NFL level. I mean, we've seen him have, I think, a handful of games that he has thrown for over 300 yards, if not more than five. Um, and in this game, he definitely outplayed uh, the former NFL MVP and Matt Ryan. Now, Brandon says Trubisky needs to be in a system where he's the third string quarterback. That's the perfect system for him. <laughs> and I guess, again, we have different opinion on how good Mitchell is. I actually don't think he's that bad. Um I will say this about Justin Herbert uh, before we move on to the next game. I've always said Josh Allen has the biggest arm in the NFL right now. A huge arm for Josh oh, Allen. A rocket. I think Herbert is really close. He's got a huge arm, too. Yeah, I don't think he has a, a deep threat um, like um, uh, who do they used to have over there? Vincent Jackson. Um, they don't have a, a deep threat like that anymore for, for him to really test that out on. Um, whereas... Josh Allen will, will throw that baby whether he had Stephon Diggs or even prior to, um, and he has shown off that rocket of an arm. Um, but maybe he does. I mean, I think he so far he's shown to be uh, more heady and accurate than Sully uh, really pegged him to be coming into the NFL. Well, the reason I wanted you to eat some crow is because now you get to take a victory lap because you were all over Carson Wentz before the season started, I'm not going to lie. I defended him. I like Carson Wentz. I still like Carson Wentz as a potential Patriots trade option. in the offseason. Yeah. Um, but now you're like, Carson Wentz is garbage. He's trash. And I was like, no, 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 he's all right. He's all right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's just, he just gets benched for Jalen hurts and Jalen hurts looks great. In game one gets his first win. 
Yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz was leading the league in interceptions, um, which is a really tough position to be in. Um, and Philadelphia is, they do not take it easy on their team sports, no matter which league that may be. Um, so his days were relatively numbered. I think that the worst he started to play. Um, I didn't like him coming into the season. I know that, you know, he wasn't really, um, it wasn't really his fault that Philadelphia was starting to lose players um, by the handful. Um, we've seen that happen to a lot of NFL teams, to be honest, but what, what they were, I think what they, the position group that they were hurting the most at was the offensive line. And we know how important that can be for your quarterback play. Well, they weren't really helping out Carson Wentz by doing these short intermediate things or by having him roll out of the pocket and do more, you know, do more things that would be successful for him. Well, in benching him and going to Jalen Hurts, we've seen Jalen Hurts in yesterday's win, ran for over 100 yards in his debut as a starter passed for over 100 yards and again beat the saints who were looking like prior to the win or prior to their loss the best team in the nfc or at least one of them um but uh yeah we had mentioned it with two i think jalen hurts both bama guys um had really given their team um and their fan base a lot of energy a, a lot of rejuvenated feelings so um, if I had to make a bet as to who's going to be the starter um, starting next season, it's going to be Jalen Hurts. Well, Brendan says Wentz is doing things that's not normal for him with the interceptions. Fun fact, they are 11-3 and three with quarterbacks not named Carson Wentz the last three seasons. Yeah, you know, he's got to squeeze in some type of big Nick Dick fact. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. Um, but no, I, I like Jalen Hurts a lot, and I think I've mentioned it even when we did our draft show. He's a guy I really like a lot. Um, at Oklahoma, I, I hated how Alabama crapped on him, I felt. And I understand going with the younger, potentially more talented player in Tua, but I just felt like Jalen Hurts was the guy that should have gotten the start over Tua, finished out his career at Alabama, then let Tua take over. So when he went to Oklahoma, and I may have even talked to about it on the show at some point, I wanted him to win the Heisman. I wanted him to just shove it down Nick Saban's throat. And uh, I, I'm rooting for him to do just all kinds of great things. Yeah, I mean, both those guys are amazingly talented, and it's great to see what they are doing when given these opportunities. So I hope that they both have continued success. Um, but, uh, yeah, I can't be right often, but uh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to uh, take the victory lap here with Carson Wentz uh, being benched. The Steelers and the Bills, a lot of talk about the Steelers being the worst 11-0 and team history or in league history. Now are they the worst 11-2 and team in league history because they've lost back-to-back games now after losing to the Buffalo Bills. I still think the Steelers are a legit AFC championship contender. You know, I mean, they're, they're a Super Bowl contender. I just think they've had a couple of bad games in a row. Big Ben hasn't played that great, but I don't know. If you watch any of that game with the Bills, it was the late-night game, so it was on you know, national television. I don't know. I still, I still believe in the Steelers. I don't know about you. I watched a lot of the game, and I think that the reason that the Steelers lost both of these games, uh, first to the Washington football team and now to the Bills, is they faced teams that had very good defenses. Uh, the Steelers have started to start um, losing some pieces, especially in the middle of their defense, and that's going to hurt them, especially as they have to face teams that have potent offenses. I mean, I didn't really give them a huge uh, chance against Kansas City in a potential AFC Championship game matchup anyway, um, but losing pieces among your defense doesn't help. Um, but in both these games, I think that 
They got beat by teams with better defenses than them. Also in this game, the leading rusher for the Steelers was James Conner with 18 yards. Um, he's been able to sling the football a lot better this year, Ben Roethlisberger. He has a lot of fun weapons, especially Chase Claypool. Um, a lot of people have nicknamed Mapletron, um, which I think is cute. Um, but you have to be able to run the ball. Balance is key for a team that is looking to get to the Super Bowl. Um, and it doesn't have to be a lot of yards, but 18 yards being your leading rusher is not impressive at all. And that's not going to help you get to a deep playoff run. Um, so I think that's probably my, my biggest you know, negative about the Pittsburgh Steelers is they really don't have an impressive run game. I think that the receivers have had an amazing year. Ben's had a, a really great year. Um, but they're one injury away, you know, for Big Ben because he's proven to be pretty fragile. One injury away from him, um, away from, you know, being out of the uh, the playoff race. And the Browns and the Ravens play tonight. Any thoughts on this one? Week one, the Ravens absolutely trounce the Browns. But since then, uh, the Ravens have not really looked that great the last few weeks. And the Browns are 10-3 and three or whatever it is. They look pretty good. So my money on this one, I, I think I'm taking Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. I think they're going to run all over Baltimore because it's in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, like you've mentioned, the, the Browns are certainly trending up, and I give them the win as well. I think that they're playing better. I think that they're playing like a much better complete team. Um, I like their, uh, their offense. Uh, Jarvis Landry has really been a monster. Uh, their rushing offense is scary good. I don't think that we're going to see a repeat performance of last week from Baker Mayfield, who I think probably had his best game as a pro so far. Um, but I do see the Browns are going to continue to win. And I think that um, I don't know if they're going to actually take over that division, um, but the Steelers don't look as impressive to me and the Browns look more impressive right now. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing, um, you know, this division rival game right here with the Browns and Ravens. Um, but like you, give me the Browns. And Brandon says the Browns run game is phenomenal. I go Browns by 10. Probably not wrong there. Props to Sully, who wasn't able to be here because he said the Browns were going to have a better record than the Ravens before the season. We laughed at him. I did. He's laughing now. So. And then, of course, uh, any final thoughts on the show? I definitely want to thank everybody again for listening, for watching, for commenting. Brandon, TSS, uh, Triple Shot Sports. Check them out. Uh, I know they're a little bit on a hiatus, so check out Brandon on uh, Man Hour as well as Man Hour Radio. That is Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. out of Louisville. Uh, so he's very entertaining. Him and Michael, they do a great show, and we certainly appreciate him chiming in with all the support as well as everybody else who download and watch. Make sure to like, subscribe, share with your friends. Absolutely. I appreciate you uh, and Sully giving me the opportunity to jump back on uh, whenever. Um, you know, it'd be fun to maybe do another three-man show and, uh, you know, have some um, back and forth with the both of you. Um, I do just want to ask you, um, you know, we touched a little bit on uh, this division. Um, who do you have winning the NFC East overall, Wayne? NFC East overall, I mean... You know, every time been... I, every time I get on the air, it's a different team that leads that division. I think last time I was on here, it was uh, when the power had uh, really t taken over for a little bit, and uh, the Giants had just had a win that put them in first place. Um, then Washington um, has now won two games in a row, so they are now in first place. So um, it looks like the Washington football team could make the playoffs. Um, so uh, that that's my pick to win the division. Um, and I was just curious as to what you thought. I mean, really, it's between them and the Giants. Um, I guess anything really could happen if uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles go on a tear. 
Um, but looking like, you know, one of the worst divisions we've seen in a long time. I was curious as to who you thought ends up taking it in the end. Uh, you're probably right with Washington. I think that that's just because they already have the, the, the lead. Uh, I would love to see Jalen Hurts come from behind and, and take the Eagles to the playoffs. Uh, I, I love Jalen Hurts. And so if the Patriots can't win, he's the guy I would root for to win the Super Bowl. Even though it probably won't happen. That would be my rooting book. But the smart money, i got to bet my mortgage. I'm taking Washington. I just think that they, they've got the lead already, and, and they just really look good. Uh, Brandon again does say, uh, oh, Brandon, I had he had a great job, boys. And then uh, as I was clicking, he said, uh, Washington and that defense is winning the division. The Giants' schedule is too tough down the stretch. Again, we're really hoping for Jalen Hurts, uh, the former Alabama guy, but hey, you never know. Um, Jesse, again, uh, you were the guest host, so I'm going to let you kick it to our man, Kenny. Oh, Kenny, um, you know, coming into this, uh, d- did you think that I was going to get uh, – Two, three, four. Um, uh, how many did you think I was gonna get on the uh, the, the old movie trivia, Kenny? It's over. It is it's over. over, ladies and gentlemen. 